1: hey
0: everybody welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with formula 1 Mark Daly here late on a Sunday night to help recap the penultimate race of the 2022 Formula One World Championship from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Can you believe it? 21 of 22 races now over and done with. And that means next weekend we're off for the season finale in Abu Dhabi. And that's it. It's over and done with. Hard to believe, but time certainly flies. We will, of course, recap and reflect and go over the season that was in a future episode. But earlier tonight, I sat down with our very good friend, Tim Haraney from the TSN Racing Pod, to recap what was a very eventful and very exciting weekend of racing in Sao Paulo. And it really was something exciting and epic to watch, right from the beginning in uh, qualifying on Friday through the sprint race on Saturday, and of course, the Grand Prix on Sunday afternoon there was action basically all weekend long and it was uh from my point of view hopefully from yours as well a very very enjoyable racing weekend anyways mark and i will be back on thursday night for the regular weekly pod and until then i'm going to throw it over to tim tim take it away
1: welcome everyone i'm tim haraney you're listening to the tsn racing pod if you want more tsn racing pod get it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please head on over to Spotify, give us a five-star rating and a follow. Same with Apple Podcasts, as it does help us grow uh, the pod. And today we are doing Brazil Grand Prix Review. And joining me to do that is Mr. Mark Daly from the Scuderia F1 pod. Mark, how are you? Good,
0: man. W- what happened? I'm still trying to digest this whole weekend. It was insane, <laughs> but I loved it all
1: was pretty wild, right? Absolutely. Um, let's get right into it. Start uh, with qualifying on Friday. Um, we'll jump to Q3. Um quite a bit to unpack with uh, Q3, where where should we begin? Uh, with Ferrari or at the other end of the grid? <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: L- let's let's just kind of like put this in context because I was out at Remembrance Day ceremonies on Friday. I got home, I got changed, I had my shower, I picked up my phone and I automatically went to Instagram and I saw from the, the Hass official feed, you know, K-Mag jumping up, everybody cheering. And I'm like... What is this? And then so I'm like, oh my god! It it, it no K Mag did not get polls. So like immediately I ran down to like fire up F1 TV Pro to go back and watch qualifying, and what a crazy qualifying session that was! I mean, you go back when on, on our show on uh, Thursday, we 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 took a look at what the the weather was going to be like, and it just looked like we were going to get some wet weather at some point during the proceedings. But it looked like we might kind of sort of get like a dry line, a, a dry. A qualifying but it was kind of wild at the end and there was guys all over the place but it was exciting and you know props to K-Mag and and Haas I mean they just managed to get it you know everything just like worked out perfect for them it's a great story too.
1: Yeah absolutely I think uh, just the lap itself was really interesting you know Mm -hmm. as you heard with drivers trying to like search for for grip and one of the difficult challenges was with this weekend is because the tarmac at the Brazil Grand Prix is actually quite dark. Yeah. And it's that makes it even more difficult to look for grip uh, when it rains. So for K mag, you know, part of his lap searching, you know, for grip was trying to find a bit of a dry line um in sector 2 and it was really quite fascinating to watch his uh watch his onboard and, and see which types of lines he was choosing just by where he was actually looking and and thinking that he saw uh, a dry line appear. That was a legit lap from oh, 100%. from Magazine. Like yeah. it was pretty good, man. Like I and smart of smart of Haas to get him out right away, obviously having the advantage of being at that end of the pit lane for sure, but taking advantage um of being where they were, which is uh quite remarkable. And uh just just you know, I've followed this team for a really long time. I have a lot of friends on the team as well. It's just, it was really cool. And uh, I mean, what more can you say, really? I, I think one of the things that stood out to me the most was uh, he was speaking with Sky Sports and he had mentioned, um, you know, how he uh, really appreciates things a lot more now than when he did when he was younger, when he just expected things. And I thought like, wow, you know, that's a really mature and uh, grown up you know, Kevin Magnuson, because I remember, you know, interviewing him, um, back in Austin, Texas. And I kind of actually thought that because I've, I've interviewed him now quite a few times. Mm -hmm. And every time I've interviewed him, he's always seemed to have like this progression in, in maturity daily. It was, uh, yeah, it was it was such a great story, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I love those really Genuine mo uh, like moments of emotion like uh, and and that's mm. why I loved seeing that video that they posted on their Instagram uh, page, and you know it, it's like you go back to when uh, Lando got his first points or his first podium back in in Austria a couple of years ago, and you just go back you listen to him in the car like like the the emotion is is, is just raw it's pure and it's 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 great to see like I mean it would have been cool if K Mag had the helmet off but you could see the smile through the helmet and just just the looks. Of on like like everybody's face in the garage and see gunther coming across the pit lane it's just cool because you know like you, you can talk about like like has you know they're they're bottom of the you know back of the pack and and all those sorts of things but like you say that was a legit lap i mean they they earned that and you can say oh yeah well the weather helped them out well, yeah, sure, but everybody got a lap in and, and like mm-hmm. you say, he nailed it. I mean, don't take away anything from Kevin Magnuson because he mm-hmm. went out there and, and just laid it down. You know, it, it, was, it was cool to see.
1: As for uh, Ferrari and Charles Leclerc not uh, laying one down, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a bit of a, a, a kerfluffle with the old strategy there, Mark. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> No comment. I feel. I feel like we're just kind of like you know, beating the the you know the the same old tune here and you know again on the Man. drum. It's it's one thing or another when it comes to Ferrari this year, and I just kind of feel like it's on brand for twenty twenty two with Scuderia Ferrari. It just it's just like I just I saw it and I was like watching. It I'm just like yeah that, that seems about right. (laughs) It's like, let's put a line under 2022 for, for Ferrari, go back to Marinello for the winter and, and let's come back in 2023. I know we got one more race, but you know, wow.
1: (laughs) I know, but uh, still though, I think at the, at at the other end of this, I mean, I think if you're, you're Charles Leclerc, that has to be I mean, he actually, he looked like that was the tipping point. I, I haven't seen him that um, frustrated uh, by the team yet this season. And there has been like a lot of frustrating moments. And in, in this actually looked like it was body language wise, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the tipping point, I think, for for him. Like it it didn't look good, Mark. I mean, at the end of the day, I I don't know why he didn't just make the call uh, himself. Like once he saw that everyone else was out on the slick tire, why didn't he just go out, do the, do the recon lap and then come in? Mm -hmm. Like just all all he needed to do is go through sector one and two and, uh, you know, essentially he would have figured out what the track conditions were like and just make that call to come in. Like that, this is like, this is getting to the point where I think for Charlotte Claire, I think it's, time to put the nice guy stuff aside and he's going to have to start forcing his his will on this team uh, if he wants some change to happen, I think.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we, we can talk about in a minute what happened in the race, but I mean, it was, it was very much like at the end of the race on this, this afternoon when he wanted, you know, he, he was saying something to the effect of, well, can you think about the championship and switching us around? And it's kind of like... Well, you know, your your teammates on for a podium and do you really want to be, you know, like, do you really want to be like Bonato to tell, you know, like Carlos who earned that podium right, to, to back off for for, for for Charles. I mean, you know, when, when it comes down to it, I mean, that's why as a team principal, you're making the big bucks. You got to make these these tough calls. But it just, it kind of seemed like it was another, you know, we you put together qualifying and then you know, what happened to him in, in the sprint race and then in the race itself, all these, you know, the whole weekend and some of these different things that sort of come up to the surface, like you say, it's just like, it, it's more frustration. It's when does he get to the, the breaking points? And yeah, I mean, I, I was going to ask you, I mean, sure, you got to be, stop being Mr., Mr Nice Guy but also you know when we were talking about K Mag being more mature I guess you know maybe it's not maturity maybe it's a driver do you want to call it experience or whatever it is cuz i mean Charles relatively is still fairly young i mean he's not a teenager i mean he's in his early 20s right but i mean he he should be experienced enough to maybe make that call i mean you know that's one of those things i said that sets the really good drivers apart from the great drivers is maybe just making that call on the fly is like i don't care what you guys are saying this is the right choice this is what we need to do Mm -hmm. so i I can't help but think that that maybe like you say he's got to start imposing some of his you know his desires on the team i mean if he's going to be like the legit undisputed number one at ferrari right tough job but it is what it is
1: which i think is only going to get harder for him yeah. moving forward, I, I really do oh, simply because of how Carlos Sainz has started to really put put it together, um, and especially after the summer break, he's been extremely strong. Uh, and the car is not going to change like that much, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not like we're going to have a a brand new um, brand new looking Ferrari that's gone in a totally different. Uh, direction where they can, you know, change everything on this race car. Ferrari's not going to do that. That doesn't make any sense. If anything, they've already got a strong car. They just got to improve on it in certain areas. And science has already figured the car out. So at the end of the day, you know, this guy isn't going to get any weaker. He's just going to get stronger. And I think that may end up tipping the hand of Matteo Bonotto and instead of having to look at Charles Leclerc as your your number one Who's to say that they don't start looking at Carlos Sainz as that number one later on next season, right? Like, we don't know what's going to happen here. And hey, look, Carlos is no slouch. He's proved it. He beat Charles Leclerc in 2021 in the Drivers' Championship. And now look at what he's doing, that he's figured everything out with this car. And so for next season, I just think that if you're Charles Leclerc, I think you have to really start throwing your weight around. Mm hmm. Or else, uh, you know, who's who's to say that this thing doesn't start going in Carlos Sainz's way? Well, you, you make a great point. Uh, as I go back and look at the uh, results since
0: uh, we came back from the summer break, Charles had a run of five podiums from Holland all the way up to uh, Dakota a couple of weeks back. He had two pole positions. And if uh, you look at uh, Carlos, he's he's had two podiums. But if you just kind of, like, look over the, like, the course of the longer season— Carlos has had six DNFs he's retired six mm-hmm. times for for various reasons and you you look there's there's about 55 54 points between them in the world championship I mean on paper there's a there's a big distance in the championship between them but you know if he only you know if he finishes a bunch more races than he retired I mean that gap could be a lot lot smaller and I've maintained for a while now that I think that Carlos Sainz, he kind of flies under the radar a little bit. I mean, sometimes, you know, the results aren't quite there and not always through his own faults, but I don't think that there's any doubts that this guy is a really, really good driver. And I just don't think mm. he gets enough, you know, respect. I don't think he gets the reserve or, sorry, the respect that he deserves, not just at Ferrari, but even just over the course of his career.
1: Yeah, 100%. And you know if we've looked at how that career has actually gone for for him, mm-hmm. fighting to stay in in Formula One, never really had anything really just handed to him. He's always had to fight to to hang on in F one, and he's gone up against some pretty impressive teammates and <laughs> come out the other side. Sure. Uh, on the other end, like yep. as the better driver in some points. And you know now he's at one of the best teams on the grid, and I he's not showing that he's having too many weaknesses. He actually, he's pretty impressive. And, you know, I, I just, I, I honestly do not see him as a number two driver next season. I just don't, I didn't see it this season either, to be perfectly honest with you. And he wasn't really treated as such either daily. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested and curious to see how, you know, next season goes apart from, you know, a couple other teams as well that we'll get into a little bit later. Um, as for the sprint race, you know, I've I've never been a huge fan of these and the race on Saturday I actually really enjoyed, like, a lot. me too. And, yeah, and I think, you know, I I was talking to Chris Medlin Medlin about this uh, a few days ago and, you know, one of the things we were discussing was that, you know, F1 had been talking about, well, maybe they don't... Uh, use the sprint race as the starting grid for the big race on Sunday it's kind of well what's the point really right like we were just kind of discussing like well what else could they actually do Mm -hmm. I mean this kind of actually seems like the more logical thing to do it's just it's trying to find the racetracks where sprint races are going to work
0: passion drive and patience A hundred percent. And Interlagos is one of those of those tracks. I mean, it's an old school track. It, it's great. It's got like that change in elevation. It's got a light, nice roll to it. If you want to say that, a lot of great corners, some nice fast sections as well. It's not super wide, but you know, the, we've seen some great racing there over the years. And for the sprint format, it just really works. And I was just kind of thinking, okay, if we have three or four races like that a season, you know, or, or venues like that per season, then the sprint race becomes a legit thing. But like you say. It's just finding those those tracks where it really works. But then, you know, I, I guess maybe, you know, like how does Formula One handle it? Because, you know, you might have other tracks saying, well, you know, hang on, we want to handle your, we want to host a sprint race as well. But, you know, it's like, where do you kind of, you know, strike that balance between the needs of the, or the wants of the the race organizers and what's good for the spectacle of Formula One. Because, you know, if you take qualifying on Friday, the sprint race on Sunday, and then the race, on, or sorry, on Saturday, and then the race on Sunday, I mean, th- this weekend really had it all. And I, I can't help but thinking if we, we had similar sprint races, then like we saw in Brazil, that, you know, across the entire season, I can see people legitimately getting jacked up for this rather than, oh, sprint race, meh, (laughs) It's like, which is kind of how it's evolved over the past year or two since these things got introduced, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I put a poll out on my Twitter and uh, it's still, you know, it's still for sprint races. You know, a lot of people are still kind of in the middle on this. They're kind of like, yeah, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I'm still kind of, you know, the jury is still kind of out on it. Um, As for the sprint grid, you know, Kevin Magnuson uh, leading the way here. I I actually didn't think, Mark, he was going to be able to lead a full lap.
0: But he did. He did. <laughs> I, I mean, it wasn't too much of a surprise that he quickly got gobbled up. But I mean, full respect to him. I mean, considering like in the sprint race, with, you know, you've got uh, at the front there, you've got K-Mag, you've got Max, you got George, you got Lando, Carlos, Esteban. I mean, he's no pushover. Fernando, Luis, Sergio, and Charles Leclerc, the next nine cars behind you. And the fact that after 24 laps, he still comes home in the eighth and final point paying position in the sprint race. You know, I I mean, full respect to the guy. I mean, I I think they, you know, like we talked about earlier, K. Mag and the team did a great job to help get that pole. But the fact that they were still able to grab some points out of that, you know, I, I think that's great. And then maybe putting the cart a little bit before the horse here. That's why it's just a shame at the beginning of the race on Sunday that he got taken out by Danny Ricardo. You know, it was kind of an anticlimactic end to Kevin Magnuson and Hass's weekend. It was it was a shame, but I mean, w- what he did, I mean, it's just it's got to be a big boost of adrenaline for 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 him and the entire team.
1: George Russell coming away with the uh, win, capturing the eight points, and Russell uh, bagging his first sprint race uh, victory. Mm-hmm. Now. Carlos Sainz followed close behind, but he ended up having to take a grid penalty for the, uh, the start of the Grand Prix on Sunday. Then Lewis Hamilton, uh, rounding out the top three Mercedes this weekend were absolutely flying out there. And you heard from total Wolf, uh, following the race. And it really sounds like the, uh, the upgrade package that they brought to Coda, um, they're really starting to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I think they still suffer from a, a really draggy car. I don't think that's anything that will be able to be fixed uh by the time they get to, to Abu Dhabi. This that's something that's going to be with them for uh till the end of the season, obviously. But it, it really sounds like uh this team has pinpointed all of the areas of problems with the W thirteen. Mm-hmm which then, you know, leads me to think that okay, well Mercedes I think are are back in it. And I think next season, man, next season I think I think it's going to be Red Bull and Mercedes again going head to head and then you're going to sprinkle in Ferrari yep. um here and there because Mercedes looks pretty good at the end of the season here, Mark. And at the beginning of the season, it didn't look too good.
0: Bro, you're, you're taking all, your stealing my thunder here. But just to build on what you're saying, like I felt that this weekend Mercedes looked like Mercedes. And I know it, it kind of seems a little bit kind of funny to say that 22 races into the year. I mean, like like you so nicely explained, it's taken them a long time to kind of figure this car out. But I've, I felt like this weekend that, this just wasn't in a flash in the plan. This felt like Mercedes. Doing what they what what they've done for so many years, and this just didn't feel like it. Just sort of they they just kind of tossed the dice, and this weekend they got it right. It felt like, or it felt to me that this was like the like the end result of a lot of hard work that they've done over the course of the season to to understand this car and figure it out within the constrictions within the you know the format that they have of the of the cost cap. Because I mean years years gone by, you just kind of would have thrown money at the problem and people at the problem, and for a team like Mercedes, they could have maybe figured it out and two weeks or a month or two months or whatever it is rather than over the course of a season. But they they just both Lewis and George just look good all weekend long. And the car looked great and, too.
1: And the Red Bulls obviously struggling with uh high tire deg mm-hmm. in in the sprint race and I'm actually quite surprised that they even decided to run Verstappen on that medium tire. Granted I understand that you know, part of it was, was tactical in terms of saving, you know, a soft tire or two for, um, the grand prix on the Sunday. But at the end of the day, I mean, Russell started on softs and at the end, <laughs> at the end of all of this, you know, he put on the scrub set at the end on Sunday and, you know, he was, he was good to go showing that, uh, you know, the, the Red Bull strategy this weekend kind of let them down. Um, Max obviously picking up a bit of damage in the sprint race as well, which affected, uh, some things but you know he he admitted that Mercedes was just too difficult um, to beat this weekend Uh, and Charles Leclerc I mean again recovery drive impressive moving his way up and finishing Mm 6th and he had Norris 7th Kevin Magnussen 8th like you had mentioned Vettel ninth, and Pierre Gasly uh, in 10th but the starting grid on Sunday eh looked a little different the only <laughs> thing's really is Yuki Tsunoda obviously having to start from from uh, pit lane yep. um just because he had changed some components on the car uh i i was so surprised at George being able to not only get away open a gap but control the race considering that's like one of his first times really mm-hmm. i mean one of his first like I know he's done it before, but in this season, for him to just go out there and take control of a race, it was absolutely impressive what I saw on Sunday from George Russell, uh, including having a seven time world champion breathing down your neck,
0: yeah. you know what i I couldn't help but but thinking that you'll come the the end of the race on Sunday and George getting his uh, maiden win, winning on the sprint race on Saturday. And just just his weekend in general. This is like George Russell's coming of age party, right? And I can't help but thinking back several years ago now, when he basically put together a whole presentation to take to Williams to this is why you should put me in your car for this season, right? I mean, r- really throwing it all out there. And and full credit to the guy, right? And and that's where he really cut his chops in Formula One. And then he does he you know, serves his time at Williams. He did a great job in the couple of years that that he drove there. And then you know. Re- really, you know, he, I, you know, I don't really think that there was, you know, you can kind of like maybe have the debate about how difficult it was uh, for for Toto to choose between him and Valtteri, but at the end of the day, I think that it was, the, the choice was pretty clear that if you mm-hmm. look at Valtteri, and despite all the good things he did for Mercedes, winning races, mm-hmm. helping them win constructors' titles, helping Lewis on to all those, you know, run of championships. I mean, George, I mean... <laughs> He's just such an amazing prospect. I mean, there's no doubt that when you look at George Russell and you look at some of these other young drivers, like your your Max Verstappens, your Landos, your, your Charles Leclerc's, he definitely needs to be included in that conversation because that was just such a professional clinical drive from start to finish from from Friday all the way through to that checkered flag. And like you say, I mean, having his teammate behind him and controlling the race and just, it, it, it was flawless. It was impressive. And this is, uh, I wouldn't say a, a win that was long time coming. I mean, it's taken a little bit of time, but I mean, the car hasn't been there all year for them, but you know, when they had the car on, you know, on that weekend, I mean, boy, did he ever turn some, erase some eyebrows this weekend for sure.
1: Yeah, they actually had a, had a water leak on George's car. Um, Toto had revealed that uh, to us in his post-race um, press, press conference over Zoom that uh, I jumped on. So George actually didn't know that. He actually hmm. didn't know that uh, the car had a water leak, and the team wanted to keep it from him so he could just focus on on the race. But this car wasn't that far off from literally, you know, frying its own engine. <laughs> That's and amazing. George didn't even know about wow, it. wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so they literally just got it, this thing across the line. Um, I think for, I think if you take a look at the Mercedes driver program. And George is actually, you know, the, he he actually is the first of the Mercedes driver's program if we're, you know, perfectly honest here. I mean, obviously, yeah, Lewis is one and stuff, but he wasn't a part of the driver development program, right? George is the one of the first and he, he six years, right? He's, he's been just grinding away at this and the team. Mercedes, they'd set him like a lot of hard targets to hit. And I think all of the work that George has had to put in, so GP3 title, Formula 2 title, Mm -hmm. um, spending all that time down at Williams, even though Toto did admit probably a year too long, um, just having to go through all of that has really uh molded him into just an incredible driver like yeah, absolutely incredible and going forward you know with George and this and this team I mean I don't I'm not going to say like it's not Lewis's team anymore it's still Lewis's team but I mean here comes George Russell like it's yeah 100% it, it's uh it's going to be it's gonna be interesting to see how Toto manages all that. I mean, Lewis is great and all, and but like he's a competitor. You know, he gets out on the racetrack, man. He just wants to win, right? Yep. yep. And same with George. Like these are two competitive animals here, and they're they're gonna go at it sometime next year. And it's it's uh it's gonna be a juggling act, I think, at some points for Toto to kind of have to like, you know, manage Manage that, and I think for George and Lewis to manage that relationship um, as well. I, I just—he—he's uh, definitely deserving Grand Prix winner, Mark, and I, I'm really excited for this team because they are going to have the best driver lineup on the grid next season. Like, Oh my God. <laughs>
0: it's scary, isn't it? And I mean, yeah. I, I think if you're total wolf, I think you're going into out into the garage <laughs> and pulling out that box with the 2016 on it. I'm <laughs> pulling out all those notebooks and all those notes that you made between and, and, and prior to 2016, you know, between all the things that happened between Nico and, and Lewis and just like kind of maybe going over some of those highlighted passages on, you know, I could have done this better in man, that relationship between Nico and Lewis, or I could have done this in this situation. I mean, not not to suggest that that uh, that the relationship between Lewis and George is anywhere the same or close to what it was between. Nico and Lewis, but it kind of, I mean, it got to a place that you wouldn't want in any team at any time. I mean, when, when Mm -hmm. you have like a team principal of a team, like Mercedes coming out saying, you know, we're ready to part ways with one or both of these drivers, if that's what it takes. I mean, I remember when Toto said that, I'm like, are you kidding? (laughs) This is like Lewis Hamilton. He's like multiple world champions. Like Nico Rosberg, this guy could be a world champion too. I mean, this is prior to 2016 when he won his only uh, chip, right? So, you know, it's going to it's going to be interesting how he handles these two guys because, I mean, yeah. like you say, as much as this is Lewis's team right now, this is George's team somewhere down the road. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, as we said earlier, that uh, when it comes to like Ferrari, Mattia, Bonato, that's why you get paid the big bucks to make these hard, <laughs> tough calls as a, as a team principal. I mean, same goes for, for Toto, man. It's like, wow. <laughs>
1: The, uh, the, 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 conversation during the press conferences was, uh, you know, quite interesting. Um, they're talking a bit about the, the W13 and, uh, George was asked if, you know, if he were to take the W13 as it is now, mm-hmm. you know, back to Bahrain <laughs> to the start of the season and if he would be happy or happier <laughs> and, uh, George actually said, if they took they they, if they ended up taking this car back to Bahrain right now, he said it would be over a second quicker. Wow, that's amazing. That's, that's how much time they've clawed back in getting this thing to mm-hmm. work. And all credit, you uh, you know, all credit is due to that team for um, really, you know, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, I mean. They had lost so much time just trying to solve their porpoising issues Mm -hmm. that now they're starting to, you know, focus on uh, other things. And I, I just think that, you know, moving forward, if we look at Abu Dhabi, actually, I'll ask you this question. Do you think Lewis Hamilton goes winless this season? Because if he does, you know what that means. (laughs)
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's quite possible. I mean, you know, Hammy and I were just talking it a couple of days ago in our podcast, saying that this could very well be the season that Mercedes doesn't record a win. I mean, obviously that, that's happened now. They have scored a win. I mean, they could potentially score one more win, you know, because we still got to go to Abu Dhabi in a, you know, just to, in a week or two or what. Down the road here, but I mean, Lewis now has one shot to to win it. So I mean, he's going to throw everything at it when they get to to, to Yas. But I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the odds aren't looking good for him because I mean. They just did not get off to a good season. It was obvious that they were a step or two behind Red Bull and Ferrari because it, you know the, the conversation at the beginning of 2022 very quickly focused in between Red Bull and Ferrari and and Max versus Charles and it was just like well huh, well what's up with Mercedes and it, it wasn't just like oh yeah just you know they'll get this figured out in a race or two because they were it was clear they were quite a bit off the pace and it's just, it's just gone on and on and on. And you have that one unforgettable moment in, in in Baku when Lewis literally needs to be pulled out of the car because he's like so physically sore and he's just hobbling around like, uh, you know, like, you know, like an old man, you know, you know, not to be ageist or age discrimination or anything, but he really looked like somebody that was in a severe amount of physical discomfort. And that was just like, it's just, kind of blows my mind that they even got to that. But I mean, you know, to their credit, they stuck with it and worked with this car because they could have just pulled the plug at any point during the season and said, you know, forget it. We're going to throw our time and our and and our energy into developing the car for 23. And this year it is what it is. But that's, that's not in their DNA, right? I mean, Mercedes is built to win. So all credit to them. They stuck with it. It took them, you know, 20 plus races to get that win. But... You know, ne- never count Lewis out, but you know, as much as he wants to win this this final race in this uh, of the season, there's nineteen other guys that want to win that race as well. <laughs> so yeah, he's absolutely. got his work uh, cut out for him.
1: Let's talk about the uh, Hamilton and Verstappen uh, collision. I mean, Verstappen ended up getting a penalty time penalty for mm-hmm. it anyways. Uh, Verstappen had a nice fight back at the end of the day. We'll yep. get on to that in a minute, but Man, it was uh, exciting to see those two going wheel-to-wheel wheel into a corner again. I, yep. I have to admit it, I got really excited to see it. I know some people didn't, and I understand that, but I don't know. There's just something with that uh, rivalry between those two, man. It just it just reminds me of those, you know, Senna Prost days and... <laughs> Oh, man, you know, like uh, Rosberg-Hamilton days. It just, yeah, I-, I don't know, there's just something juicy about it at the end of the day. Um, how did you see that? Because I think Verstappen could have, I think actually Hamilton could have given Max just a tiny bit more room. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I, mean, hey, I, I'm surprised both of them weren't out of the race.
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean, when we saw, I mean, that, that we, we should maybe just set up that corner a little bit because the way that the you have the the, the start at uh, at Interlagos, so you're kind of going up the hill a little bit past start finish, yeah. then it drops down a little bit to turn one. You do that hard left, then it starts dropping down into turn two, and then it drops a little bit more as you go into Curva do Sol and turn three. So. You know, I wouldn't say that my life flashed before my eyes, but, you know, certainly time slowed down going into T1 because I'm thinking Imola, I'm thinking Silverstone, and I'm thinking, you know, these guys are going to give each other the, you know, they're going to really go to the push to the limits and, mm-hmm. you know, Max, he had, he was ahead going into turn one and then they go down the hill into turn two and Lewis was definitely ahead. And and that's why when he, you know, and I think that Max gave Lewis enough room. I think that Lewis kind of gave him enough room just to, but to the thinnest of margins, both of them, right? They, they were going to hold mm-hmm. their line. And I, I think the reason why Max gets that five second penalty is like, I think that the stewards are going to look at it saying, yeah, well, you know you had the opportunity to back off and I know like the, the window that he has to make that decision is so infinitely small that, I mean, it's like snap of a finger and it, it, it's gone. And then that's when Lewis comes across and they kind of crunch into each other bits of carbon fiber fly everywhere. But like you say, I'm, I'm surprised that that both of these guys kept going. And at the end of the day, Lewis is on podium backs. I mean, yeah, sure. He doesn't even get top five, but I mean, he still gets P six and yeah, uh, you know, I was kind of a little bit surprised maybe that Max got the the five seconds. I, I thought maybe they might call it a a racing incident. So I, I was kind of 50-50, but at the end of the day, I was kind of like, yeah, th- that seems about right because the opportunity just to lift slightly. And of course, the stewards, they have access to all the telemetry and and, and everything else that You know, they hopefully make the right call. I mean, that's up for debates in other situations, but that's just the way that I saw it uh, as it unfolded.
1: Um, I think at the end of the day, right? It's uh, I, I don't know. I just kind of saw it as a racing incident, to be honest with you. But. Mm. Just, uh, just maybe, like prior
0: history between these two factor yeah. into it. You know that yeah. that's that's what I thought too when when he got yeah. nailed with the five seconds.
1: Yeah, me, me too. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, Lewis could have been in contention for, you know, the win at, at around that point. Like not at exactly that point, but later mm-hmm. on. Uh, in the race, that win probably could have came, came to him a little bit more so than, in, than when it did towards the end of the race. Uh, that being said, um, did a great job to recover. I mean, both drivers did. Uh, yep. and I think like, you know, for, for, for Lewis, just not enough pace just to catch George and get by him there, um, towards the end. As for Charles Leclerc, um, it's, he wasn't too upset at Lando Norris. I think Leclerc felt that you know looked like Norris had made a mistake and bumped into him. But mm-hmm. man, I am so surprised that that car was able to keep going. Oh, me too. I don't know how the hell Charles Leclerc kept that thing running. Really didn't.
0: Well, you know, after we we had like the you know the opening lap there, we get the safety car and everything, and then I see like Charles stuff it into the tires. I'm like, oh, yeah. here we go. There, there's his weekend over. And uh, I I was just, I I was surprised that all of a sudden it's like, he's going, he's back going. And I'm like, yeah, he's going to, he's going to limp back to the pits. And the next thing we're going to see Charles get out of the car, he's going to have his head in the hands, just uh, really disappointed or, you know, walking away from the car in disgust. But I, I was shocked. But then at the end of the day, he ends up just off of the podium. And mm-hmm. you know that's that's an interesting situation, right? Because he's uh, fighting for a uh, second in the world champion uh, championship against uh, Sergio Perez from from Red Bull. And then, as we were saying earlier, he's making that call on the radio, telling the team to to, to think about the implications that it has for you know his world championship uh, battle with, with with Checo, and to think about switching the cars around. I mean, what yeah. is what is I mean. I don't know. That's one of those calls that uh, you're, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you're a Ferrari, you, you make that call or you don't make that call, one of those drivers is going to be upset, you know? And I think that, uh, that uh, that's um, I was going to say Sergio, <laughs> that Carlos, he did such a great job. I mean, he took that five grid uh, penalty or grid place penalty, you know, and, and then still, you know, ends up on the podium at the end of the day. But it, it's interesting, right? Because... After the results, we we get the the, the final, um, you know, we get the podium, we got George Lewis and Carlos, you got Charles, P5, you got Fernando, six is Max, uh, Sergio ends up in seventh. You know We've got to talk about that in a minute. You got Esteban, Valtteri, and Lance. Lance Stroll rounding out to the, the the top 10. So by the time it shakes out, now you got Sergio and Charles, even on points, going into the, the, the final race of the season. Now everything's to play for, but you know, you can see, you know, Charles is doing the mental arithmetic because Sergio was a non-factor today. Cause I mean, in the middle of the race, Lewis was just, he was taking chunks of time out of uh, Sergio ahead of him. And that wasn't even, you know, they they weren't even racing each other. I mean, and he just kind of like dropped further and further back uh, through the, uh, through the order. And then, you know, they see, you know, he ends up uh, behind his teammates, but yeah, it, it's... Like, like, what do you do if you're Ferrari? I, I I think ultimately, yeah, I don't even know if it was the right call. I mean, I, I kind of like, I've had this conversation with myself all afternoon, and every time I think about it, I come up with a difference. Like, like, yeah, they made the right call. No, they didn't make the right call. You ask me again tomorrow, I'll probably tell you something different.
1: Yeah, I think they did, simply because like it was pretty well earned by by Carlos. You can't go and take a podium away from him. Yeah. I really just don't think that's the right that's not the right move. Uh and I think that Leclerc is going to be able to finish this thing off and I think Ferrari feels the same way. But at the same time yeah, yeah I just think you can't you can't disgruntle the team that way and people have to remember that when I say team, I mean like Carlos's team. mm mm-hmm. Mhm because you know everyone may think that well yeah well the crew you know they work for the entire team well no they don't actually they they work on one car it's a team within whole, a team it's a team within a team and you you don't want fractures showing up in your in your team now if we take a look at the it's, it's similar to what could happen with the Perez Verstappen situation and we'll get onto that in a minute um but the same thing you know c- could transpire there and as for Ferrari you know they've got enough headaches to deal with as it is at the moment you know why add more to the pile so i think just keeping um keeping things stationary as they were finishing i think was the right move as for Verstappen and and Sergio mm. um well. obviously Sergio letting <laughs> yeah obviously Sergio letting Max Uh, go by, and uh, you know, with the understanding that he was going to get the spot back, right? And I, granted, you know, Max was about three to four seconds, you know, up the road, but still in the final lap, Max could have easily, strategically slowed down in certain spots to give that spot back. Now, he doesn't do it, and then we heard the radio outbursts, and then we got the stuff in the Mm post-media, Um, from Sergio. And obviously, you know, Sergio's pissed off at him. Like what, what 100%. is, uh, like, what did you expect? Like, what did the team expect? What was going to happen? Like, I know Sergio's saying that like, Hey, like I won him those two championships or whatever the quote was. I'm mm-hmm. paraphrasing here. Um, we'll go but, back to
0: the whole minister of defense thing at yes. Abu Dhabi last year. Right. I mean, yes. he gets a huge assist on, on, yes. on that for, for that yes. race alone. Right.
1: Yes, 100%. And I don't think he was given enough credit for a lot of the things that he did. Sergio said, quote, I think if Max has two championships, it's thanks to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, he's not wrong, but he's not right, obviously. But there are certain things that Sergio has had to sacrifice, obviously, to give the Max so he can win championships. Yeah. I wonder, Daily, if this really rocks the boat at the team for next season, and if Sergio even gives a damn next season of helping him.
0: Well, I, I mean, at this point, I mean, you know, how much time does, like, Sergio, like, legitimately have in Formula 1? I mean, he he's not long in the tooth, but, I mean, you know, he, you know... He, he has less years in front of him than he has behind him, right? So it's just like, mm-hmm. if he's going to really try and and do more, if he's going to accomplish more than what he's already accomplished, the opportunities are now fewer than, say, for Max Verstappen, who's like 10 years younger than him, right? But I mean, honestly, I, I, was, I was pissed off when, when I saw that whole thing. And when you heard Max on the radio... I I just I was I was shocked at the way that he talked to his engineer. He said, and I'm just reading the quote here. He says, I told you already the last time, you guys don't ask that again to me. Okay. Are we clear about that? I gave my reasons and I stand by it. Okay, that sounds like me talking to my five-year-old who's been extremely naughty and had a tantrum. And mm. I when I heard him say that to like his engineer, I was just like, Wow, that is just not cold that is just I don't even know what that is and I just like you know that's I, I'd love to know what his reasons are because he doesn't need the points the championships are sewn up he doesn't you know I mean he doesn't even really need to do anything at this point I mean like I know he's programmed mentally to go out and win and drive as fast and and do as well as he can each and every race but it's just like you what about your teammate you guys like Mm -hmm. could you know you could like underline this season by getting not only the the driver's championship the constructors championship you guys could finish one two in the driver's championship and it's like I felt like he was just flipping the birds to not just his teammate but I felt like he was flipping the team off as well and I was just like that's not cool that's really not cool
1: A lot of this is believed to be from a rumor that happened after Monaco. Okay. With Sergio crashing out in in Q3 and essentially ruining Verstappen's uh, quali lap. Uh, Whether or not he would have gotten pole, that's another conversation for another time because... Leclerc was also, I think he was looking good for pole at that point as well. He ended Mm -hmm. up, Leclerc ended up getting pole anyways, but that ruined Verstappen's chance. And Sergio ended up going on to win the Monaco Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. And so the rumor is, is that this actually is something that stems uh, from that event. Now. You know, Verstappen was asked, you know, by the media multiple times, you know, what, you know, why, what, what, you know, why didn't you do that? And he kept just responding with that. He, you know, he had his, had his reasons for it. Um, And moving forward, they're going on to Abu Dhabi. And if he needs the points because they're tied, he's, he just felt that it wasn't at the end of the world. Mm. It was basically what he had said. I think like at the end of the day if you're going to have a teammate who looks after you like that in some points like Sergio Perez does I mean you got to take care of him sometimes you know yeah y- y- you, you know you can't like, do that
0: I uh, you know <laughs> I know that uh, like all, all the Max fans will come after me for this and uh, you know you're you're like a total Lewis Homer but you know I'm I'm trying you know to to be as like you know middle of the road as 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 possible on this but just from a sporting point of view I just don't see in the same situation Lewis doing that to maybe to Nico <laughs> Probably would he would have mm-hmm. done that. He wouldn't, he would have uh, helped out Nico in that situation, but I, I don't feel like he would have done that for in the same situation should, for other teammates. I just I got a question.
1: Yeah. I got a question for you. Sure. Let's see if you remember anything. So do you ever remember Schumacher doing something like that to Rubens Barrichello? Now, granted, you know, Rubens did get messages to, you know, move over To let Michael go by to get wins on his way to winning championships, but but did you did you ever hear anything like? I I guess for do you remember anything like that? Because I I I don't. Um, Because I actually the reason I bring it up, I had a social media uh, individual. (laughs) Person on Twitter messaged me. Yeah. Social media individual. I'm such an idiot. Person on Twitter. <laughs> it's one your, bro, it's tweeps. It's one of your tweets. <laughs> yeah. So, a person on Twitter actually asked me that question. If I ever remembered, you know, Schumacher doing something like that to Barrichello. And, l- you l- know, I couldn't, I couldn't remember something like that. I, I could remember the times that he did move over for yeah. him, like so he could get the wins to get the championships. But I don't ever remember. Him taking a position and never giving it back.
0: Let's just say that in, in that relationship and that pairing, I think like this whole situation is underscored by the Austrian Grand Prix that one year when Rubens yeah. was like winning or he was leading and he was told to let yeah. Michael back. He wins the race. And then Michael was, I think he, it was such an awkward thing. And on the podium, I think like Michael was very, he was very uncomfortable, embarrassed about it, and made Rubens basically take the top step. Like I think that that was like his acknowledgement of like, Yeah, I won the race, you know, to help with my championship aspirations, but this is really yours, you know? So, I mean... I, I felt like that was like a real public acknowledgement from from Michael to what you know like Rubens had like sacrificed not just that day but probably many many other times in in the past. That just kind of to me felt like a a culmination of like that whole driver pairing and you know because everybody talks about Michael but you know they don't really talk about Rubens and I I think Rubens is very much you know kind of like like almost like a like a Valtteri Bottas like you know a a really good very capable number 2 driver that like on his day was very capable of 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 winning races and I, you know maybe even throw Sergio into that conversation as well but obviously not quite as you know, as dominant as their 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 teammate but yeah I I would say that I would agree with you but I just I did that one Austrian Grand Prix from whatever when was that 2003 or 2004 wh- whatever was it was say, yeah
1: yeah I was gonna say 2003 yeah I
0: mean it's a long time ago but that that, yeah. that 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 one image like of that podium is just like burned into my image it's like yeah. one of like from from that era of the uh, from Ferrari that that stands
1: out I think bottom of Bottom line is, you know, it's such a team sport. And as things start to converge, as these teams start to get closer together, um, if you are the lead driver, you are going to need the number two driver. Mm -hmm. There is no question about it. At some point during the season, you will need that individual. Yep. And... It's best just to have a decent relationship, one that goes both ways, if you want to have success moving forward in this new era of Formula One that we are entering into, because convergence is going to happen fast, man. Mm -hmm. Like, next season, like, if we take a look at just how fast Mercedes has gone from being a second off of, like, Ferrari at the beginning of the season when Ferrari was strong to now being faster and winning yep. a Grand Prix, give me a break, man. You're going to tell me that by the time we get to race number 10 next season, there, there is likely to be six drivers in contention for a race win. Yeah. There just is. Like but- That's the way the development curve is going. And I just think if you're one of those drivers and you are the lead driver, it's best that you have some type of a... Okay, relationship with your teammate. Now, I'm not saying you go out and you have beers and be bef- best friends with each other mm-hmm. because that's not the way I was brought up through the sport. But you did respect <laughs> your team. Yeah, you sure. Did respect sure. your teammate. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, I um, I just oh, I got a bad feeling about this for for Max. I just don't. Well, I don't know if Sergio could. It, it, the, uh, yeah, you know it's,
0: the dynamic yeah. is different, right? Because we were like, like a few minutes ago, we were talking about you know the the situation that Toto is going to have at Mercedes between the up and coming prospect and the goats, right? And yeah. and it's it's interesting because when you hear Lewis, and Lewis always says the right thing on the radio, right? He's like, "What a great team win!" You know, congratulations to George. You know, con- you know, like congratulations, and thanks to everybody. And then you kind of like compare that and juxtapose that with what you know. Is like going over the comms at Red Bull. You got like Verstappen's kind of like really, you know, oh, I, I don't even know how to label it. That's, you know, his statement. You got like Checo saying it shows who he really is. And I'm just like... Yeah, I mean competitiveness between say George and 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 Lewis is one thing, but I mean like there's some seeds of some real toxicity now at Red Bull. I mean, especially if this is going back to, you know, Monaco, which is 6 plus months and like what, 12, 13 races ago. I mean, there's a lot of daylight between these two races, and it's just yeah. I mean, it's not what just happens in the car on the track, but it's also what happens off the track, and yeah, it, it just blows my mind a little bit that this kind of dirty laundry kind of like got aired this afternoon.
1: Um, running out of time, but uh, I want to talk about Fernando Alonso Esteban Ocon real quick. Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, that, that's another uh, another. Relationship that seems to have taken a turn. Well, you, you know, I mean, it was
0: kind of crazy there. I mean, they had that coming together in the sprint race on Saturday and it kind of ruined Fernando's day. I mean, you you got like Crofty and Barton asking Otmar on the pit wall, real time, you know, putting it to them like, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, like I, I thought that Otmar handled it like, uh, you know, like quite well, but the, you hear like the, like on Sunday, you hear like, like, like Esteban's engineer telling him, don't race Fernando is just like, you know, like, like I was just like, and he's kind of like questioning him. It's just like, there's obviously that these two don't like get along. And then like, didn't Fernando just say he's, he's wet, ready to kind of like draw that line and, and, end his Alpine career. And he's looking forward to Aston Martin because he's
1: ready to go. He's ready the green to go. Car. He's ready to walk. He's ready to, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I just, uh, <laughs> Otmar was so upset Saturday night, uh, that, you know, I would, I would, uh, love to have been a fly on the wall in that, uh, driver debrief session, (laughs) uh, because he was, he was livid. Oh, I must've been. Basically, you know, I think one of the things for him, because he's had to deal with, with the Esteban, Sergio fallout from the Force India days. (laughs) and now he's got to deal with something like this that actually involves Esteban. Um, He takes on a new team, and two drivers that are highly competitive. One of them is Fernando Alonso. (laughs) He's kind of like in his own kind
0: of class when it comes to this sort of thing, right?
1: 100%. So he's got to manage that. Yep. And... Esteban Ocon who like people sometimes I think sleep on this guy like he's a proven like not only is he he a race winner guy's a champion for crying out loud in Formula 3 and he beat Max Verstappen in that championship
0: yeah well I mean we we talk about like Carlos flying under the radar not getting any respect or enough respect Esteban gets zero respect. Zero. Yeah, he gets like no recognition of like his capabilities None. and what he's done in the past. And it, it blows my mind. I mean, this guy's this legit. A guy, he's a good, good, this, excellent driver. Give this shoulders. Is a guy. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. This is a guy who got to Formula One with zero money. Yeah. Like zero, 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 zero dollars. None. Mm-hmm. Nothing. This is how this is a guy who got there from hard work, talent, and right place, right time. And meeting the right people, and that's how it goes. And he, he sat out a year. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He also had to sit out a year as well before coming back to Formula One. I mean, talk about a journey. I think at the end of the day, for for Esteban, you know, I thought he didn't go up against Fernando towards the end of the race, even though he could. even mm-hmm. though he told the team over the top of the radio, they were telling him like, hey, look, just bring the cars home. Don't get into it with Fernando, if he's quicker, let him buy. And he's saying, yeah, I'm going to race Sebastian Vettel. And that's what I'm going to do. And that's what he kept saying over the radio. Fair enough. I think that there was at some points though, that Esteban could have made his car a little wider, but he didn't. Um, and letting Fernando go, go on to finish, I believe he finished fifth in this race on Sunday. Yeah. Fifth, you know, Fernando's been, been driving remarkably, uh, this season and I, I wonder how it's going to work at Aston Martin. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. Right. I mean, it, it's every time like Fernando's kind of like popped up, especially like in the late later part of his career, like every time he's made a move, I'm just like, how's it going to work this time? So I don't know. I, I really don't know.
1: <laughs> uh, caps off to Volteri Bottas. He was incredible today. Uh, and then Lance uh, rounding out top 10, uh, bringing home a point for Aston Martin, but Alfa Romeo being able to capture points thanks to thanks to Valtteri uh, allows him to extend that lead. We have one more race left next weekend. Uh, Mark, uh, this has been a season, we should probably do a season review on all of this stuff, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of... I, I'm kind of glad it's kind of ending when it is. I felt that last year it kind of went a little bit too long.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I feel like especially after the championship ended last yeah. year with all the yeah. the controversy, uh, controversy, and the way that that championship was kind of feels like it never stopped. It, it never stopped, and I, yeah. I feel like like you can call it a hangover or like like this this cloud of twenty one kind of hung over this season for a, a long time, but. I don't know. I mean, like you say, we got one more race coming up next weekend, and I I just kind of felt like, even though there was literally nothing at play. I mean, sure, you know, you've you've got this battle between Charles and Checo. You got some, you know, some some teams that could kind of swap places in the constructors, but they're minor storylines in the 2022 World Championship. But I kind of feel that just in general that formula one kind of needed this weekend because i feel that people that that made the headlines were making headlines for the for the right reasons and it was kind of like the race it was like the weekend i think we all really needed and i I don't know what we're gonna see in abu dhabi I'm, i'm really i'm hoping we'd see a weekend similar to the one that we just had because it just it felt like a breath of fresh air. And yes. and I feel walking away from this one is just like, oh, thank God, you know, this one's over. There's one more. And then we can just, we can hang up the mics and we can come back in a couple of months and look ahead to the, the next season. But I felt pretty, I feel really good after this one. I feel like there was, we saw a lot of really hard, but good racing and it was just fun. It was just a fun weekend to watch.
1: I agree. Good storylines all around. Magnuson was heartwarming. <laughs> it was just a great story. Yep. And same for George Russell. Uh, you know that also great. Great for him. His his family wasn't around to enjoy that win. Not, neither was Toto he, Neither Neither Toto. He, he was yeah. Away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was also great story. In uh, drove George drove a hell of a race. I just think I you know I was talking to a couple of reporter friends of mine, uh, who obviously it's their job to follow Formula One, and they said something similar to what you said, Mark. You know, it's just like Formula One needed this. Mm-hmm. This is this is what it it needed. It needs it needs more of it, obviously moving forward. But it, it just it felt up to this point like such a dry season, where we didn't have a lot, and there was more stuff going on off the track than there was going on the track. Mm-hmm. And I wish it was the other way around because, I mean, obviously it's more exciting to, to talk about, you know, good racing and great sporting stories, right? Then yep. a lot of the times politics off the track. I mean, sometimes it's fun, obviously, but, you know, sometimes it's just not, sometimes you just need some good racing. We really haven't had much good racing in the, I don't know, since summer break, right? Because like, yeah. I think... Like Hungary was decent. Um and we had summer break and then Red Bull just smashed everything coming out of the summer break. It just it was nothing there. It was no Oh, it was home, home, run really home run after home run after home run. I mean if if you're cheering for Max and Rub Bull that that
0: that's great. And I mean all credit to them. I mean, they've been unbeatable, but, you know, the, like you say, the racing hasn't been, you know, like particularly exciting for, you know, quite a few, you know, races and this kind of really reversed that, you know, that, that I wouldn't say storyline, but that, that situation, And it kind of showed that, you know, if, you know, if they get these cars figured out this, this whole new era of Formula One, and and it's not just like it was this weekend, we've seen several really good races throughout the year. It's just, they've been a little bit too far and and, and few between. And I think that's ultimately what it comes down to is it's been a bit of a tease at times, but yeah, it kind of changed that whole Red Bull dominance story. And they were kind of made the, the, the headlines this weekend for the wrong reasons. Rather than for the right ones, so.
1: <laughs> well, on to on to Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Uh, let everybody know what you guys got going on over at Scootery F1 Pod and where they can find you.
0: So you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you can enjoy and download your podcast. We're there. We're Scootery F1 Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Scootery F1 Pod. And myself and Hammy, we do a weekly show drops every Friday morning. And then we usually get together with Mr. Tim Haraney here to wrap up each and every Grand Prix. One left. I can't believe it. Where did this season go? We're going to have to find something different to do with our Sunday nights.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Mark, this has been fun. Thanks very much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Uh, If you want more TSN Racing Pod, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. If you want more from me, you can get me on social media at Tim Heraney. Please head on over to Spotify. Give TSN Racing Pod a five-star review and a follow. Same goes for Apple Podcasts because it really helps us uh, grow the pod. And we will be back later on uh, this week to set up the final race of the 2022 Formula One season. We'll talk to you all later.